Welcome to the 123rd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When a major development such as a large-scale factory farm or frac sand mining operation is proposed in a rural community, it often catches residents off guard as they scramble to figure out the long-term environmental, human health, and economic impacts of such a facility. To make things worse, state agencies that are supposedly in charge of re- regulating and permitting such major developments all too often bend to pressure from industry and do not provide the necessary oversight required to make sure these facilities are a good fit for a community. But in Minnesota, rural townships have a powerful tool at their disposal in the form of something called local control. Local control allows townships to do comprehensive planning. It takes into consideration a community's resources and its citizens' desires. Rural townships also have the right to put in place temporary moratoriums on major developments. Such moratoriums provide residents and township officers time to gather information on the community's resources, its environmentally sensitive areas, and what kinds of developments are compatible with the area. Not surprisingly, backers of developments such as factory farms and frac sand mines see local control as a threat to their ability to establish large-scale operations in rural communities without answering to local concerns. That's why industry has long worked at the Minnesota legislature to undermine a local community's ability to put in place temporary moratoriums and conduct comprehensive planning and zoning. During the past several years, the Land Stewardship Project and its allies have successfully worked to keep local control strong in the state. LSP has also worked hard to provide communities the tools and resources needed to do the kind of comprehensive planning needed to ensure a strong, healthy community long into the future. Since it was first published in 1997, LSP's popular local control manual, Protecting Your Township from Unwanted Development, has helped numerous communities develop solid planning and zoning that protects their resources and their residents. The Land Stewardship Project recently offered a series of workshops for rural residents on comprehensive planning. This podcast features excerpts from one of those LSP workshops. The workshops, which were held in southeast Minnesota, focused on how to deal with the onslaught of frac sand mining, a highly controversial industry in the region. However, most of the information provided by the panel of experts that spoke at the workshops could be applied to any major development that is proposed for a rural community. The first speaker featured was Jim Peters, an attorney who has worked with and represented townships from across the state. He has helped communities adopt moratoriums and land use ordinances in response to unwanted development and successfully defended township ordinances in court. Without a doubt, not even a close call, not even debatable, the most powerful rights that exist in the state of Minnesota relative to controversial developments is township zoning. I'll, tell you, I'll say that one more time. The most powerful laws that will protect a township, help guide its future, in Minnesota are township zoning rights. Period. End of discussion. You can talk about the environmental review part. You can talk about nuisance suits. You can talk about permits. But bottom line is township zoning, what is it? It's, it's just as effective as county zoning or city zoning. Township zoning is under the same statutes, Chapter 462, that city zoning is. So every city that has zoning 
and has setbacks from the roadways and parking space and sidewalks and all that, townships have the exact same rights. Most of the townships that I work with are not interested in and don't regulate stuff that doesn't matter. Okay, we don't regulate whether you what size of a garage you're going to have. We don't regulate how long your driveway can be or other things that township residents kind of like having freedom to do. What what I when I, when I write ordinances, they govern the projects that can fundamentally change the character of a township. So if something's going to come in and fundamentally alter the future of your township, do you think you ought to have a public hearing first? Yeah, I mean, and you can. And you can have, you can have setback restrictions and size restrictions and density restrictions that will protect your township and help shape the future. You know, in, in western Minnesota, a lot of it has to do with the large animal confinement projects, and some townships have decided that they want to have residents living in the township and farming the property rather than having big barns of animals. Now, some townships have decided to just have big barns of animals, and, you know, their population starts to, to go down except for the, the on-site housing for the workers. But townships, I just, in the last six months, I've adopted two township ordinances that have, where they've said, our vision of this township is for residential and agriculture that is consistent with residential. And so they've adopted requirements that deal with size, density, setbacks. So uh, township planning and zoning is a zoning ordinance. It gets recorded with the county recorder's office. It attaches to all the property, and it governs the way the, way the township can be developed. Um, they, you know, they, you should have an attorney draft the ordinance, review the process. Um, I'll talk about that more on the moratorium part, because you need to follow the rules and requirements. You don't want to haphazardly go into it. Now, most townships uh, have enough budget for paving the, or not paving, but keeping the sand down and, and, and grading the, the roads, and having legal involved is not usually part of the budget. But... I can say that townships, when they adopt a, an ordinance that governs that kind of game-changing projects and, and, and lets everything else go, I've never had a township or any of their citizens complain about why you have a lawyer here. The only people that complain about that are the project people who don't want to have any regulation. So township planning and zoning, you set it up so that the average township resident never has to come in and see the town board for anything. The only people that have to apply for a permit or a hearing are large projects that are controversial and potentially changing a significant part of the township. You let everything else go, you regulate the big stuff, and that's perfectly legal. You have your list of five to seven projects that are of concern, and you put restrictions on those to make sure that they come. They don't just pop in one day and, how did that get in? Well, I think the county had a notice in the newspaper. When was that? I don't know. It was in the legal notices a couple months ago. Well, now there's 20 trucks an hour coming in and out of there. How did that happen? Well, if you have a township ordinance, you can require notification 
to adjacent property owners, mail notification. So you can and, and you can you can you can ban certain activities or you can ban certain size of activities or certain density of activities. You can have setbacks. The other question that comes up is, well, how does the township enforce this? I mean, we just got three supervisors, we have a limited budget. How does it work that we enforce our ordinance? And there's there's really two parts to that. One is your county is going to have a copy of your township ordinance and they will tell anybody who comes into the county, oh, if, if you're in Florence Township, they've got an interim ordinance, you better go talk to them too. Or you're in Hay Creek, you better go talk to them too. Number one, they're going to find out from the county. Number two, these people, as you heard, they'll buy 155 acres to stay under the EAW requirements. They have maps. You know, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture put together a map of the entire state with the zoning ordinances for each part of the state. So somebody can sit in New York and, and review the state of Minnesota and start saying, okay, well, this is open here, open here, open here. They got regulation. Let's go there. You know, the, the, it, the, the word gets out. It's recorded. It comes up on every title check for property. And these people are tracking it. When you, when you adopt an ordinance that's going to regulate an activity, I always, and I'm, in your materials, I have a, a resolution in there that a, uh, a township would use. And if you look at the bottom of page 6, there's a whereas the studies and reports regarding rural land uses and development include the following. And what you do there is you list all the studies that talk about the negative health and property tax impacts of that particular use. And so you have a rational basis for your ordinance. Doesn't mean that there's not other evidence or other issues. What it means is you have a rational basis for what you're doing. And if a, if a township or a county has a rational basis for what they're doing, the courts are going to uphold it. And the way I like to describe it is, is if, if you're driving down the highway and you get pulled over, what do you have to produce? A driver's license, proof of insurance, and registration. And hopefully you haven't been drinking. you got to have all three. Now, if you're a land use project, you got to comply with the county, you have to comply with the township, and you have to comply with the state. So they're separate, they're independent, and you have to comply with all of them. Now, a township, if they regulate something that the county is also regulating, you have to be a little more restrictive. You can't be less restrictive, and if you think about it, well, that makes sense. It's a waste of time to be less restrictive. You can only be more restrictive. That's not hard to figure out at your township meeting. You got a copy of the current county ordinance, Everybody knows what the standards are anyway, and then you can go from there. So you, you, and you can distinguish between the silica frac sand mining from other types of mining. It's got different issues, there's different studies, different health, safety, and quality of life issues, and uh, property, that, I don't know about the property part of value. Tax, it's a question of how do you pay for all this. Gravel, gravel ordinances have taxes. I think there's a state statute. I mean, I think there's, there's room to talk about having taxes or fees. Look at the, the IRRRB up in, in the north, the Iron Range, the Taconite. Millions and millions of dollars. Your resource is leaving your backyard. You should, if you're going to let it leave, you at least better get some tax money for it. You can adopt a moratorium on projects for up to a year. I, I've got this covered in, in my materials. I'm gonna, there's one part of it that needs to be explained a little bit on page 4 the process for interim ordinance. The, the materials talk about a 10-day published notice in a public hearing. That applies if your moratorium includes 
livestock operations. If it's just mining, your township at a regular meeting can adopt a moratorium without notice. Now, once you adopt it, you got to record it, you got to publish a summary of it in the newspaper, and there's some other follow-up that you have to do with it. And you, and you have to have a study, a planning commission put together. You have to start some studies on this. What I have on page five of my materials is kind of an outline of a typical public hearing and a special meeting agenda for how you adopt an interim ordinance. I won't go through the details of that. I'll let you read it. But basically, you know, just follow the right procedures. You, you open the, the public hearing. You close the public after the comment. You take, close the public hearing. You have a special meeting, and you adopt your ordinance. And you have all the materials prepared in advance so that when you get there, you know what your interim ordinance is going to be. Now, you could tweak it a little bit at the, before you adopt it. You know, interim ordinance can be one to three pages. Mine are usually about three. Uh, you, you govern about five or six different uses, or one or ten. I mean, you don't want to have any new hazardous waste storage dumps. You don't want to have any strip clubs popping up. You don't want to have mining projects of a certain size. You don't want to have, you know, commercial over 50 people employees. There's just a few set different big game-changing projects that you just put that 12-month hold on. The next document in my materials is a, is a sample resolution that if your township's going to adopt an interim ordinance, if, if somebody's going to look at that six months later, the project three months later, you want to have a resolution that documents what you did so you don't have to re rely on your recollection. So your resolution will be a summary of what the process was, when you made the decision, what the studies were. That's a key part. Have your studies listed in there, and then you uh, you document it with a resolution kind of along the lines that I've got there. Um, I've uh, probably adopted 30 to 50 different township ordinances uh, in Minnesota. Um, I'd say maybe 10 to 15 of them involved in an interim ordinance. A final ordinance, you just have to have that notice and public hearing for that. I've had townships where I've done the whole thing, final ordinance in uh, six weeks. Sometimes it's taken two years. It depends on how ambitious they are and how organized they are. But without, without question, you could have an interim ordinance and a final ordinance done within, a, within two months. The question is, what should a township do if you have concerns about this and your county's got a moratorium? Should you either go out and adopt your own or should you take a wait-and-see attitude and see what the county does? My strong recommendation is, is that a township that's serious about protecting their residents, they need to act now. That county's moratorium is like an insurance policy for you. It's like a blanket of protection that keeps the projects off your back. If you wait until the county's done, then the only obstacle in the way of the projects is going to be your process, and they're all going to be at your meetings. So, I mean, that's the difference between some townships I've gone in, no projects pending, they're ahead of the curve, the township knows it's an issue and they want to regulate it. The final public hearing, the big to-do to adopt the ordinance, there's five people there. The three supervisors, the clerk, and the treasurer. Maybe one or two people just checking in to see what's going on, or maybe to get their bills paid for, the, for their road work. If you have a project pending and you don't have a county ordinance and you've waited 
Because you want to take a wait and see. Ah, well, I don't know if I want to do this. I think I'll wait and see how it turns out. You're going to have 80 to 100 people packing your town hall. The emotional level is going to be through the ceiling. You have people yelling at each other in the room. You have people with their pickups outside yelling at each other after the meeting. That's the difference between doing it now versus doing it later. Next, Nancy Barsons dispelled the myth that small rural townships do not have the resources to do comprehensive planning. Barsons has been the clerk and zoning administrator in Pope County's New Prairie Township for over 30 years and is one of the state's leading experts on township rights. She has helped write ordinances for over 30 townships. I am going to talk about the whole process uh, from doing an interim ordinance all the way through doing a regular ordinance. I want to expel the notion that this has to cost you an arm and a leg because it doesn't. And by the way, my township is 230 residents. My township is just a small rural township. And, but we've accomplished a whole lot with planning and zoning in our time. Another thing I want to talk a little bit about is the county discouraging, if the county discourages you. And some of the things when I first started doing this back in the mid-90s, um, and I hear it still goes on today, is, you know, the county will say, well, if you're going to regulate frack sand mining, then you're going to do everything those kind of things. And then the other thing is, it's not as complicated as it sounds. You know, we roll around these words, for instance, and, and Jim told you about that, the comprehensive plan. Like he said, it can be a paragraph. The first comprehensive plan in our township was one page. And then when we put on our moratorium to, so that we could amend our old 1970s ordinance, then we we expanded, and we got more into studying what it was, was big, uh, large feedlot issues. Canadian Connection, who didn't live in our township, didn't live in our county. We had uh, quite a time with it, but we put a moratorium on. Now, I want to, first of all, I guess while I'm, I'm thinking about it, that isn't why we got sued, Bobby. Oh. wasn't the interim ordinance, even though we were May 8th, 1995, my township, I... I read the statute. Yes, I have nothing else to do at night besides reading statutes, but I do. <laughs> and because um, we had planning and zoning from the 70s, because our county didn't have zoning. And so um, I looked, and there I saw 462.355 subdivision 4. And it starts out, I won't read the whole thing, if a municipality and 4 the purposes of the chapter 462, which is the planning and zoning for cities, including the city of Minneapolis and townships, all under the same statute. But it provides as follows. If a municipality township is conducting studies or has authorized a study to be conducted or has scheduled a hearing for the, and it goes or, 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 has done any of these things, so Basically, if you plan to, to study the sand frack mining for the purpose of, of protecting the health, safety, welfare of its cities, you can adopt the interim ordinance. The interim ordinance, again, and I'll go back to ours, we put one on. I called John Dooley, who was attorney for the Minnesota Association of Townships at the time, and I said, 
Does this say what I think it says? Because we want to amend our old ordinance from the 70s. It was even adopted under different statutes. And he said, yeah, it sure does. He said, I've never heard of a township doing it, but he said, um, go ahead. So I wrote up the first interim ordinance that in May 8th, 1995, my town board adopted it. And in fact, it looks an awful lot like the one that's in the um, manual that's in your packet. So talking about a comprehensive plan, when we talk about a plan, comprehensive plan, land use plan, it's all the same thing. And you can make it as complicated as you want to make it. Or you can keep it as simple as you can. If you are looking only for controlling uh, or banning sand frac mines, then you probably don't want to go into everything. If you look at that checklist I have when you're going to do your plan, this is how you get your residents involved, too. These are some of the things that you'd want to look at. What you want to do is describe what your township looks like today. And this isn't just to lay a foundation for your zoning ordinance. The plan doesn't restrict anybody from doing anything. A plan is a plan. This is our plan. This is what the township looks like today. This is what it's going to look like in five years, ten, or what we want it to look like in five years, ten years. And so you go out, this checklist kind of goes through describing your township and then setting up some goals and, pol and policies to affect the, what you want your township to look like. Uh, so what's the difference between a plan and an ordinance is then, you know, the ordinance or zoning ordinance. And again, it's the same thing when you say zoning. That's the ordinance. Zoning ordinance. The ordinance is the law. That's where you restrict somebody from doing something. Plan doesn't. The plan is your foundation, your rational basis for what you do in, in, in your ordinance. And zoning doesn't mean that you have to zone industrial, commercial, residential, ag, and all those kind of things. Every ordinance I wrote, we zoned the whole township ag slash residential, meaning we want both to live together harmoniously. This is, these, are the, these are the laws we are putting into effect that will protect both the producer, the livestock producer, and the residents. Even though your county has probably got you zoned, probably ag, you can zone it whatever you want to zone it. Zoning is the ordinance. Again, something I'm going to repeat that Jim talked about when he was telling you that township is the most powerful, has the most powerful authority in the, in the area of planning and zoning, he wasn't telling you why. He got around to it later. The reason he says that is that, that you can be more restrictive. The township can be more restrictive than the county. That means if the county bans frack mining, you can't allow it. But if the county allows it, you can ban it. That's being more restrictive. You can't allow something that the county forbids. That's why you've got more power than even county zoning. Also now, what if you get sued? What kind of insurance do you have to cover? Most of you townships, I would guess, 
there's 1,777 townships in the state of Minnesota that get their liability insurance through the Minnesota Association of Townships Insurance Trust. And I talked to Kristen McCulloch, who is now in charge of the MAT agency, and she assured me that even if you start doing an interim ordinance, you don't have to call and tell her uh, you are automatically covered. But if you need to enforce your ordinance, uh, when I say you're covered, I mean that, that the insurance company will pay for your attorney, will pay your court costs, but you as a township, they aren't going to pay for your supervisors going to court and testifying and those kind of things. The other thing, too, is if you're sued, you get your attorney through your insurance. If you have to sue somebody, then you're on your own. But as Jim stated, if you have an ordinance forbids this, you know, they're in violation if they go ahead and think they're going to ignore, ignore you and just go ahead and start mining. No big corporation would do that because the chance is 99%. You know, that, but the main thing is, is that you did it right. That's what would get you, is make sure that you do things right. A little bit on the counties, again, uh, thing, too. Uh, don't let them tell you. They were telling us this way back with feedlots. If you're going to do feedlots, you're going to do everything. We aren't going to cover you. The county ordinance covers you in its jurisdiction. It would have to amend the county ordinance and say we're no longer going to cover such and such township. And then they'd have to have a public hearing on it and amend their ordinance and all that. They aren't going to do that. I think now after 15 years of fighting this, I don't hear it so much anymore. But don't let the counties tell you, you know, if you do one thing, you've got to do it all. The counties can't tell townships what to do. The state tells you what to do. And townships can't do anything that the state doesn't specifically allow you to do. Okay, the other thing that I hear from some supervisors is, oh yeah, we put in planning and zoning and we get this planning commission and all of a sudden we lose control of our township as a town board of supervisors. That's not true. The planning commission, the planning committee, whatever, is merely makes recommendations to the town board of supervisors. Only the town board of supervisors can adopt the plan. Only they can uh, adopt an ordinance. The, the authority still stays with your town board. It's important to remember, too, that state gave townships the authority to protect the health, safety, and welfare of its residents. There's lots of issues there that need to be, you, need, you need to have protection for your residents from. You can also uh, protect your roads. You can do that with setbacks. And getting into this transportation issue, planning and zoning is land use. It's not regulating traffic, or isn't, I shouldn't say traffic, because if it's on your town road, then the township is, uh, supervisors are the road overseers, and they will they do have authority on township roads. Again, we're talking land use. So you've got to get to the mine. If they're coming through your township, the mine is in another township, and they're coming over your roads, you can put restrictions on your roads as township supervisors. But you can do that without an ordinance. You don't want to get into how something's built. You don't want to get it. That requires a building permit. That requires a, a building inspector. You care as a township about where it's built. 
where in your township is this appropriate, where is it not appropriate? Or maybe it's not appropriate anywhere in your township. David Williams is a township officer from Fillmore County's Preble Township and an attorney with expertise in township zoning. David spoke about developing a common-sense framework for how townships can approach the issue of using zoning to control silica sand mines. Some of the concerns that we all have with silica sand mining are kind of the following one. Uh, Destruction of existing natural mound and hill landscapes. Introduction of industrial activity into agricultural and recreational areas. Deterioration of roads from large numbers of trucks hauling sand. Consumption of excessive amounts of water from water tables and aquifers. Another issue, contamination of water resources. Damage to nearby rivers and streams. Road traffic problems. And, and that's different from road deterioration. That's just the, that's the people problem. That's this highway right outside this door, which will be the funneling point for probably quite a few mining operations being channeling all those trucks right through here. Um, and that's, that presents the traffic problem for this church, the schools, all of these businesses that are along this portion of of Highway 43 North. Property value deterioration, hazardous air emissions from blowing sand, damage to recreational and hospitality businesses. Most of silica sand mining would occur in the Ag District. The initial question is, why don't we just leave it up to the county to handle and control silica sand mining? And I can tell you from my own experiences, not just with our own county and Fillmore County, but with other counties, there just isn't the political will to either prohibit it or to really strictly regulate it. It just isn't there. That provides for a good role for township boards, township officers, uh, because you're doing it on that small neighborhood community basis where you might be able to find the the political will to do some serious regulation. Some of you have asked the question tonight, can we prohibit silica sand mining if we choose? And the answer definitely is yes, on a county basis and on a, on a township basis. And with all, all you have to do is really justify the industry that you're prohibiting. With all of the counties and townships in southeastern Minnesota now studying silica sand mining and with all the studies that are resulting from that, there's plenty of factual justification for prohibiting and banning silica sand mining. In our own county, Fillmore County, right here, we prohibit racetracks, we prohibit large assemblies or concerts, and we prohibit subdivisions. You cannot today build a housing subdivision. The housing developer industry cannot come here and build housing subdivisions in the Ag District in Fillmore County. And so obviously you can, you can certainly prohibit and ban silica sand mining operations. I would offer a couple of strategies on considering what you should do if you want to either ban or regulate mining. First, begin working on your zoning ordinances before the mining projects are proposed. Don't wait until the stuff comes in, into your township. Start now and start trying to develop ordinances because 
it's just easier to avoid the controversy and the burden that results from, you know, when you get a controversial project, project that comes into your township. I've been through that. And, and so waiting for, waiting for the problem before you solve it is, is not a good way to go. One of, the, one of the things that we have in our townships, almost every one of our townships we've got them, are, are good existing quarry sites for, for, that produce aggregate for our roads, our farms, our dairies. We're not trying to necessarily interfere with those. We value those. You know, they provide good product for us. One of the solutions then is to try to separate what is called construction minerals from industrial minerals. Construction minerals are regular common gravel, rock and sand, riprap, all that stuff that we produce and consume locally. Industrial minerals are silica, silica sand. It's that higher grade of quartz. What's the basis for being able to separate those two? One, the industries themselves have created those separations in the so-called SIC codes, the national codes from the National Association of Industry Classifications. You look on the U.S. Census site, and you will see the, the distinction between the two kinds of minerals. The Minnesota DNR distinguishes between the two kinds of minerals. When the DNR leases its state-owned lands for mining, it leases regular gravel and, and, and rock under one kind of set of rules, and it leases silica sand operations under a completely different set of rules. So you can distinguish between the two. That allows you to, to not incur that sort of problem, that pushback from the aggregates, aggregate producers, when you're really just trying to, to regulate and control silica sand. If you don't have the political will within your township to actually prohibit mining, what else can you do? All of us are volunteer town board members. We're not paid. We're not people out there, you know, working on town boards on a full-time basis. We don't have the time to go running around to mining sites and trying to check out whether uh, we can enforce a mining operation. And so if we try to tailor our proposed regulations simply, then we can handle it as volunteer township board members. And so I always encourage township boards to regulate the siting and location of mining activities. Just the siting and location. Don't get into the operations. You don't want to go out there to a mining site and determine whether they're using chemicals that they, that they are prohibited from doing whether they're open on Saturdays, whether they're consuming too much water. You're, you're not interested in doing that. So I encourage you to, to work on siting and location of mining's, mining projects. The starting point is to focus on size and concentration. I believe that you should try to prohibit mining operations that are larger than 20 acres. I think you ought to prohibit concentration. You don't want to have a whole bunch of 20-acre mining projects side by side, and suddenly you've got a 450-acre mining project. What you want to do is to regulate the concentration of those things by either creating a space separation of, say, two to three miles between them or allowing only one or two per township in your township. Just create some kind of concentration rules. Those are easy to enforce. I would urge you to prohibit the washing of proce and processing of sand on the mining site. Don't allow it. 
let them come in and excavate it, dig it out, and take it to St. Charles, Winona, or those other places. <laughs> but don't, <laughs> don't let them do it in your township. You know, because if, if they do it in your township, you know, it's going to either mean excessive amounts of water that could impact your wells in your township, it could also mean the use of flocculants or other chemicals that might have some adverse impact. Uh, it certainly is going to mean more industrial activity. The, the processing in, of this stuff is, is clearly going to be more industrialize your, your township than, than simply the extraction of the sand. I would prohibit the mining vertically closer than 10 or 20 feet to water tables. Don't let them get close to water tables. I don't care what the water source is. Don't let them do that. You can easily have a rule that, that prohibits that. Create setbacks of at least 1,000 or 1,500 feet to existing homes. Um, we, we do that all the time for other kinds of setbacks, whether it's feedlot setbacks to homes or, or other things. So create those, that separation district distances between homes, I mean between the home and, and the mining site. And the other thing you might do is provide for the opportunity to, for your town board to conduct an EAW or environmental review of a project. You don't have to do it, but just at least by ordinance, give yourself that opportunity to do it. An EAW, that's, it's, that's technically called an environmental assessment worksheet. It's, it's a part of environmental review. Excavation and mining is not just the extraction of the sand, it's the processing or doing anything else with the sand on site, and it also includes hauling the sand away so that when you're regulating, you're going to be basically reg have the jurisdiction to regulate everything. Certainly find out the proposed minerals or metals that the developer would want to mine. Um, the projected life of the mining operation, is it a 10-year project or is it a 50-year project? You want to know that. That relates to reclamation. Um, the traffic and hauling plan, you want to plan, if it's, if it's any kind of a silica sand mining operation, you want to know exactly what routes they propose to haul the sites, they propose to haul the sand out of, because you may then want to have some kind of road maintenance agreements with the mining operation. And certainly that's something that you might, might consider is to have road maintenance agreements. Townships, just like counties, have the legal ability to be able to either um, require a, a road performance bond that, that would provide some funding for reimbursement of damaged roads or impose, like Winona County is doing, a road impact fee. Winona County is imposing a road impact fee of 21.9 cents per ton per mile for hauling uh, sand from mining sites through, on its roads. Toward, toward Winona. So you have, as townships, those same tools to be able to use to try to recover some of that cost of, of repairing roads. And certainly gravel roads, you know, are going to have a, a certainly more serious impact than the paved roads we have around here. Reclamation of mines, um, I, I certainly encourage on a county and township level to prefer phased reclamation, ongoing reclamation. Don't just wait until the mining operation is at its end, which could be 10 years from now, 50 years from now. You or I might be dead, and, uh, and certainly the mining operator is long gone. So 
begin to, what we're trying to do on the Fillmore County level is to push phased reclamation of silica sand mining operations and even to try to limit the amount of mining acreage that is in operation at any one time so that you can assure that you're getting some reclamation. You're never going to get that mining site back to anything that it originally was. That's in any representations by a mining operator to the contrary. It, it just won't happen. You, you can't reclaim it back to its original condition. Finally, Bobby King of the Land Stewardship Project spoke to the importance and challenges of working to protect townships from the outside corporate interests pushing unwanted industrial-scale silica sand mines into rural communities. David, as everybody uh, knew because they laughed, was joking when he said, take it to St. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> we got to stick together. So we got to get to know each other because we can't let the industry play us against each other. And that's part of what these meetings are about is we don't want all the frack all the frack mining to go to Winona because good you, Houston and Fillmore pass good ordinances. We want to be as organized and as tight as, as we can. But I wanted to talk quickly about strategies township residents can use to get their township uh, to take action. Because I don't get calls from township officers. Township officers call Matt. They call their attorney. I get calls from township residents saying, what are our rights and what can we do? And so the first thing you, they, you, you tell them is what what we've been told tonight, you have very strong rights as a township. A actually, the, 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 if you can do it, I always tell people whatever your concern is, if you can take care of it at the township level, that's your best bet because you're going to take care of not that, just that project. You're going to take care of it going forward. You know, you can get the PCA to turn down a permit for something, and then it comes along two or three years later. You want to have the discussion at the township level and make some rules that folks in your township can live with. So often the first part of that is educating your township officers the fact that they have this right. A lot of township officers, in my experience, most township officers didn't become a township officer to do township zoning. It's an it's a unpaid, thankless job. And when you've got a bunch of people coming to you and saying, and here's something else we want you to do, the reaction first is, I don't, I don't think I have this right, number one. And then number two, there's some reluctance to take it on. I always tell folks, be clear to the, with the township officers after you make it clear you have these rights that you've got a group of people that are in it to help, to be on the comprehensive plan, to do the research, that the township's not going to adopt a moratorium and everybody is, uh, disappears because it's going to take some work and you've got to be in it together. I think this issue is definitely going to be like the factory farm issue. It's going to be around for a while. You know, and, and people that are concerned be working on it for a long time. So it's important to form a group of people that you agree with. You know, you can talk to everybody, but when you have your strategy meetings, it's, it's the people you agree with. You're going to need to support each other. You're going to need to strategize together. You're going to need to come up with what you want. Do you want to ban it? Is that what you're going for, an outright ban? Or do you want to just limit it, the size of it? You come to that decision together, and then that's what you work for uh, together. As you do this, you're going to be accused of creating controversy. And uh, that makes some people feel bad. I think it's important to remember the creator of the controversy is the proposer of the mine. There was no controversy until this industry came into our community. They are creating the controversy. What are we doing? We're standing up for our rights and we're protecting our community. And there is nothing more fundamentally American than getting engaged in shaping your government.
information on LSP's work to empower local communities that want to control their own futures, see www.landstewardshipproject.org and look under Organizing for Change. There you will also be able to download LSP's planning manual, Protecting Your Township from Unwanted Development. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.